0: DW, Living Planet, with Sam Baker.
1: Welcome to Living Planet. I hope you're not eating right now, because this week we are exploring a topic you might find a little unsavory. It's something we don't talk about very much, but I assure you, it's perfectly natural. And assuming you're in good health, it's something you do every day. Yes, I mean using the toilet, whether that's a squat toilet, a pit latrine, a urinal, or a good old water closet. Every day, the average person produces 400 to 500 grams of feces. With nearly 8 billion people on the planet, this means we've got a lot of poo to deal with. And the ways we do so are often not very efficient, useful, or even good for the planet. So today, we're taking a look at the history of human excrement and some creative solutions to dispose of it. For all that, do stay tuned. Apologies in advance for all the potty talk. Now, one of the reasons you may not think about what happens to the stuff you flush is because the systems we have in place have been, more or less, the same throughout our lives. And since even as far back as the 1800s. Joining me now to tell us why this is, is my DW colleague and a reporter for our YouTube channel, Planet A, Chris Kaurla. Welcome to Living Planet, Chris.
2: Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, Chris, despite the fact that nearly half of the world's population lacks access to a sewer system, somehow flush toilets have become kind of a gold standard for dealing with human waste. Could you tell us about the medical and the societal significance of the invention of the porcelain throne?
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure. If we have to list the most important inventions in history, toilets would rank pretty high. And the flush toilet in particular is a medical milestone that saved millions of lives. And the reason for that is pretty simple. It separated people from their poop and hence limited the spread of plagues like polio and cholera.
1: Yeah, and I have to admit there's, you know, the fact that I don't have to think about how I dispose of my waste is pretty nice, but there are some downsides to using flush toilets, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. These systems are very vulnerable to the effects of climate change. And the reason is that they need water to flow through them to work. So if you have a drought, the sewer won't work. (laughs) On the opposite side, if you have too much water, if you have a flood, now whatever is in the sewer... (laughs) <laughs> might end up in the street, and that's also pretty bad. They're also vulnerable to sea level rise, though, because sewers produce effluent, and that's a cleaner water discharge. That tends to be located near a water body, like a river. But if there's sea level rise, now the treatment plan can also be affected.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So what are some of the more climate-proof and perhaps less wasteful when it comes to water. What are some of the better ways to dispose of our waste?
2: So the funny thing is that even though most of us use flush toilets, we are familiar with different types of toilets. If you go on a plane, you'll see a vacuum toilet. And the way this works is that it just sucks the waste out instead of flushing it down with water. The problem with vacuum toilets is they use a lot of energy and you know, you will still need water to move that waste through your sewer. There are also other types of toilets, like combustion toilets, that is toilets that will burn poop to create energy. There's also toilets, these are very useful, there's toilets that separate pee from poop, and those are especially efficient because pee, for example, has a lot of resources that we could be using for irrigation and cleaning, but once it's mixed with poop, it's a lot more difficult to take advantage of these resources. And actually, I talked with uh, Chelsea Wald. She's a science and environmental writer, and she explained this to me really well.
1: You can think about recycling, how when you recycle, you separate all of the items that you want to recycle, the plastic from the paper. It's sort of the same principle. Once you mix everything together, it becomes much less efficient to get everything separated back out again.
2: We have toilets that can separate pee from poop, but the problem is that people don't like them. (laughs) They seem weird. And actually, I have talked with someone who has a company that does just that. His name is Aaron Tartakovsky, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Epic Clean Tech.
3: All we do is put a little three-way valve, which redirects the water into our system. Step one, remove the solids. Step two, treat the water. Step three, send the water back up into the building. For things like showering and cooking, you're still going to have a, a connection to the city for potable water, but you're going to use you know, anywhere from 50
2: to 90% less.
1: So in terms of bringing some of these more efficient uh, water-saving options into various places around the globe, I mean, what are some of the main challenges in convincing people to use these different types of toilets?
2: So the good news is that we have toilets that are more sustainable and use less water. The bad news is that people in low-income countries can't afford them yet. And many in high-income countries just don't want them.
1: So destigmatizing and affordability are the hurdles we need to overcome for these solutions, these new and improved toilets.
2: Exactly. We just have to get over the yuck factor. Maybe more poop jokes would help.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, challenge accepted. We are going to talk lots more about what we can do with our waste on this episode. Thanks for coming on Living Planet, Chris.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: To watch Chris's video, do visit DW's YouTube channel, Planet A. His video is called, Why Flush Toilets Are Crap and What to Do About It. I highly recommend it, as it includes both poetry and unicorns. Now, one spot where people are quite used to going without a flush toilet, like it or not, are music festivals. You may have been to one yourself this summer where you waited in line for the plastic porta potties to do your business and then get back to the fun. Not to be a party pooper, but all this waste does have to be disposed of. And festival organizers in Germany recently decided to collect and repurpose all that waste with the help of a toilet that separates the festival goers' number ones from number twos.
0: The raw materials we are talking about are urine and, of course, feces that's collected here. Just enormous amounts of nutrients. It's good stuff that comes out of us, but we just flush it away and don't want to have anything to do with it. But it's something we really have to deal with.
1: That was Florian Augustin, CEO of the startup Fenizio, which is involved in this project. So, where can festivals like this send collected urine to be used? Well, how about the French countryside? Rich in nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, this human byproduct can help out farmers looking to switch from expensive and polluting chemical fertilizers. Anne Sophie Brenlin presents this report from a farm just outside Paris. Lucie Baron adjusts the pipe feeding into a large tank
3: of what some are calling the new liquid gold. This generous supply is destined for a wheat farm in the leading agricultural region of France. Here in the beautiful French countryside, Lucie explains what's going on. After filling up the tank, we'll use the spreader machine to spray the urine onto the fields. And that urine is of human origin. Lucie Baron is in charge of a project that aims to revolutionize France's fertilizer market using nitrogen-rich human urine as a natural alternative to chemical options. It's already being deployed on these fields in Saclay, just outside Paris. Emmanuel Laurent drives his tractor in geomatic patterns to fertilize the lush green crops. He was among the first local farmers to sign up for the trial. He was very keen to get involved.
4: It'd be great to replace other fertilizers with urine, which also contains nitrogen. Otherwise, it just ends up in the sewage system, where it evaporates and is lost in the atmosphere. We may as well reuse it to nourish our crops.
1: And
3: so off he drives, spraying the liquid onto the fields. Plants need nutrients, including nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, and we ingest these through food, before our bodies expel them, mainly through urine. The preliminary results of fertilizing crops with human urine have been encouraging. Researchers estimate that it could replace around one-quarter of nitrogen and phosphorus-based fertilizers worldwide. It does require collection and some processing, but the supply of the raw material is, well, infinite. In contrast, while synthetic fertilizers do increase crop yields, they're also a major pollutant – and costly. When used in large quantities, synthetic nitrogen can make its way into river systems and other waterways, causing algal blooms that kill fish and other underwater life. Plus, chemical fertilizers emit potent nitrous oxide emissions that contribute to global warming. And when these emissions combine with vehicle fumes, it can create dangerous air pollution too. Together with Lucie Baron, Christophe Dion works for the French Ministry of Agriculture.
2: Il faut savoir que les engrais It's important to bear in mind that prices for chemical fertiliser have tripled in the space of 18 months, so of course this new kind of fertiliser sourced from urban areas is of huge interest, except that in practice it's still in very short supply.
3: Most of the urine supplied so far has come from special urine-separating mobile toilets at public festivals, which are notorious for being smelly and unsanitary. But there are alternatives. At one chic Parisian restaurant, a new model is being used that is a world away from the original urine-diverting dry toilets. The high-tech dry toilet is just as hygienic as toilets that use water, says restaurant owner Fabienne Gandossi.
2: Fact, uh, we have a positive people. We've been getting some very positive feedback. People are initially a bit surprised, but I think that in daily use, they'll see little difference compared to a traditional system.
3: And there's even a bonus factor. Fabienne says the new toilet saved 22,000 liters of water in just three weeks. And that's good news in the face of increasing global water shortages. Collecting and using urine as fertilizer is not exactly revolutionary. Throughout history, humans have used urine to help plants grow. But with the advent of the modern sewage system, where everything is mixed and flushed away, it became much more difficult to isolate urine and capture the nutrients. And so, the practice became much less common. But nowadays, it's gaining momentum again, with studies being conducted in countries all over the globe, from Sweden to South Africa.
1: This is Living Planet, I'm Sam Baker. As we heard there, reusing human waste is not a new idea. Historically, humans have made the most of what we have to expel. And my next guest has explored this long and storied history of humans thinking creatively about their poo. She argues that it's time we
4: seriously consider shipping it around the globe. My name is Lena Zeldovich. I'm a science and environmental journalist in New York City. And I'm also the author of the book, The Other Dark Matter, The Science and Business of Turning Waste into Wealth, that digs into humanity's oldest problem, keeping ourselves free from our own excrement.
1: One of the things you write about is how there's this changing geography of excrement, and it's created kind of a metabolic rift. So basically, human waste is being generated in places far away from where the food that helped produce it came from. And that kind of messes up the nutritional balance of ecosystems. So can can you explain how this is working on a
4: global level and how might we fix this imbalance? So before humans settled and started farming, we didn't have to deal with these problems. We ate berries or we chased some gazelles and killed them and ate them. And then when we went to the bathroom, we went to the bathroom at the nearest bush and just continued walking. So we basically returned all these nutrients to earth naturally. But when we started farming, and then when we started living in cities, we created this really interesting problem. We grow food in certain places, quite often in warmer climates. And then we transport them to other places and we consume that food in other places. So what happens is the food grows on farm fields and keeps extracting nutrients out of the earth. Then it's shipped to us and we eat it usually in cities. And then when we release all these nutrients and they flow to you, you know, your nearest wastewater treatment plants, that, that plant clears it from pathogens. But it doesn't clear it from all its essential nutrients. And so these nutrients, rather than going back to the fields, flow into the nearest body of water nearby, lakes, rivers, and the ocean. Mother Nature didn't intend for it to happen. The ocean does not need all this fertilization. The soil does. So we kind of broke this circular way of life, the circular agriculture, if you like. And so we keep fertilizing the ocean, which creates harmful algae blooms, kills fish, kills corals. And meanwhile, the farmlands turn to dust because we don't return our nutrients back to it. So what we do, we create synthetic fertilizer that we put back into the fields, and we're just perpetuating this broken cycle. Looking
1: at the past, in centuries gone by, human waste was widely accepted and valued as a fertilizer in different cultures, Japan and China, for example. Was there anything that these cultures or regions had in common to make this common practice?
4: Yes. In certain societies, waste was a priced commodity. Mostly, it happened in places where soils were not naturally fertile enough to sustain the population. So farmers there, and urban residents too, had to become very thrifty in using their own excrement Fertilize farmlands to grow food, and that was the case in Japan. It's a small country with a lot of mountains and not much of arable land. So, the medieval Japanese had to be really, really careful and literally put every scrap of organic matter back into the fields. And so, what they did is they gathered human waste in cities like Asaka and Tokyo, back then called Edo, and they shipped it back to the countryside. In China, it was a similar situation. Some land wasn't very arable, but also the Chinese had really humongous cities with 6 million people living in them in like the 1600s. It was a lot of people to feed. So they also had to be very thrifty about gathering all of that excrement from their cities and transporting it to the farmlands.
1: Okay. So they kind of recognized this lack of nutrients in certain farmlands in the first place, and, and that kind of led to them finding this solution.
4: Exactly. Basically, because the nutrients were so scarce, they had to use fertilizer from their own bottom. That's actually how the Japanese called their excrement. It was called fertilizer from the person's bottom.
1: So it seems we stand to benefit a lot from this so-called humanure. But if we want to use this to its full potential We're basically looking at dismantling our modern sewage system that's been in place for centuries. How would this be realistically doable?
4: So there are different solutions for different settings and different locales and at different levels. It's not going to be a one solution fits all. And my favorite example is the Washington, D.C. wastewater treatment plant. So what they do is they... Cook this waste first in these massive pressure cookers to make sure that there are no pathogens left alive there. Then they essentially compost that cooked waste in massive tanks where a bunch of bacteria that typically lives in soil chews through it, converting it into basically garden dirt. Then this garden dirt is dewatered and it becomes essentially soil. It smells like soil, it feels like soil. And it acts like soil in the sense that it grows food really wonderfully. So that's a solution at the level of a city. There can be a solution at the level of a household. There's a company in Israel called Home Biogas. And what they build is they build essentially a miniature version of what I just described that can be attached to a household toilet, ideally to a bio toilet that uses little water. And so their solutions can do what I just described at a household level and what people you know, get from it is fertilizer they can use for their garden and also biogas the microbes that chew through this waste produce biogas which is essentially methane and you can cook food with it this type of solution really works for rural areas or uh, off the grid communities and then there is something in between that can work at the level of a building and it's being tested in San Francisco right now where you sort of plug in somewhat of a similar you know, cartridge that captures waste before it leaves the building. It cleans the water and puts it back in circulation as a so-called gray water. You can't drink it, but you can use it for washing and showering and watering. And then it extracts all of the biosolids and converts it to fertilizer.
1: Interesting. So one... Issue I see is that for many people there's this kind of yuck factor when talking about human waste and anything to do with toilets. So no matter, you know, how open minded folks claim to be, how do you think as a society we can get over that? Or do you have any tips of how we could think differently about what we do with our waste?
4: Well, so I gotta tell you, I think the poopamaji was a great alley. It just changed people's perceptions. I mean, everybody started thinking that poop is cute and cool and funny. you know, sending each other poop emojis over text. is like the best thing ever. <laughs> so I would say, you know, the journey has started. I also got to tell the, the teenagers right now, I really love all things poop. Maybe because it's sort of ahead of us in their thinking. And maybe it's because they're teenagers. But I think more education and awareness you know more talks more stories on how poop is such a valuable substance and how so, so versatile of a substance that it can be so many different things is is really helping and you got to talk about it with humor too this year there was also a really interesting campaign launched by the wastewater environmental foundation they called it poo and you And it's really funny and funky fact that they tell you about poo and sanitation in general. And they call 22 the year of poo. So I I definitely see it sort of, you know, the society's attitude towards their own dark matter changing.
1: That was Lena Zeldovich, author of The Other Dark Matter The Science and Business of Turning Waste into Wealth and Health. Now, let's visit another farm that is putting some of the ideas Lena just mentioned into practice. On the west coast of Mexico, one farming family is helping to counter water pollution, soil degradation, and biodiversity loss, all caused by agricultural runoff. That's usually coming in the form of synthetic fertilizers. This family is avoiding these problems because, well, they've gone au natural. In a Camules presents this story by Anna-Marie Goretzky.
2: Thomas cumplimiento...
0: Villanueva can hardly contain his happiness. He's carrying a bowl of lush, colourful, fresh vegetables – Kale, broccoli, cabbage, and edible flowers, freshly harvested from his farm, straight into the kitchen. His wife, Liliana Aranda, will use it to prepare lunch. After working outdoors all day, everyone's hungry, so it isn't long before the salad is prepared and Tomas and Liliana sit down with their family to eat. We thank the water for watering the plants, the compost for feeding them, they chant together. And in this case, they are talking about compost made from human excrement. At Tomás Villanueva and his family's dinner table, this topic is no taboo. Villanueva's farm is on the edge of the small Mexican town of Tepatixla on Mexico's west coast. After lunch, Tomás and his workers are back to the garden, spreading compost across the ground. The Olintiali farm grows fruit and vegetables. Everything here is fertilized exclusively with homemade human dung, as Tomas explains.
2: We're completing the cycle. What comes from the
0: earth is digested and excreted. The process of composting allows us to give back to the soil what we took from it. So we complete the cycle, and life continues.
3: See?
0: They eat their own vegetables, but they also sell them at markets. All plants need nutrients to grow, especially nitrogen and phosphorus. Olin Diali is a fully organic farm, and artificial fertilisers aren't used here. Domas says they're expensive and bad for the soil. So he and his team invest a lot of time and effort collecting excrement from dry toilets mixing it with natural ingredients like stone powder or straw to transform it into a rich compost over a number of months. The activity of bacteria among the composted elements creates high temperatures in the compost. That heat kills any pathogens. Dormas stands over a wheelbarrow full of the dry, composted soil and allows a handful to run through his fingers. He gives it a sniff. This compost here is now ready and it smells pleasant,
2: like fertile soil. They
0: use it to grow various types of cabbage, beetroot, broccoli, fruit, and a whole lot more. In another part of Mexico, in the small town of Ocotepec in the state of Morelos, architect César Añova has also looked at ways of recycling faeces. Many years ago, he decided to try out something completely new.
2: This is an ecological neighborhood that I set up more than 20 years ago, I wanted to show that homes can use dry toilets and not pollute any water.
0: In other words, toilets that divert the urine away from the faeces and are not flushed with water. These toilets are not connected to the sewage system either. At first it looks like a normal toilet, but when you lift up the lid, you can see there's no water pipe attached. Dalia Anuve diaz explains how it works. Urine in the front, poop at the back. Just add soil and you're finished. A lot of raw sewage in Mexico flows directly into lakes, rivers and the sea, something César Anuove finds outrageous. He believes dry toilets are the solution and gives workshops teaching people how to build and use them. But getting people to actually talk about poo is the biggest
2: challenge. What I'm doing is reviving the knowledge and understanding of water that our ancestors had. They didn't see excrement as something dirty, but as something that needs to be returned to the earth.
0: Those ancestors used human feces and other organic waste to develop fertile islands known as chinampas, used for growing crops in wetland areas. These are green, fertile pieces of agricultural land that have been used in Mexico since ancient times. On one chinampa on the edge of Mexico City, Lucio Usubiaga is seeking to keep that heritage alive.
2: The chinampas are one rare example of how we humans have helped to promote life and biodiversity. So they're a very powerful example of how we can live in harmony with nature. He
0: runs a regenerative farming project called Arca Tierra. The idea is to grow organic produce working as closely as possible with nature. The produce is then sold to restaurants in Mexico City. Dry toilets are a must here. There's no electricity or running water, and the chinampas are protected areas, so waste needs to be dealt with. Lucio Usubiaga sees the excrement that has been collected here as a resource.
2: We need to give back to the earth what we've received in the shape of food. Otherwise you get an imbalance, leading to pests and depleted soil. To feed the plants properly, you need to return all that's left over back to the soil.
0: Right now they're only fertilising fruit trees with human dung. They want to first make sure they can reliably filter out any pathogens, residual hormones and medication in the compost before they start using it for vegetables too. Back at the Olin Tiali organic farm, it's the end of the working day for Tomás Villanueva. His customers know how his vegetables are grown and they wholeheartedly approve. Poop has a bad image in our society, but we know that this composting process makes it perfectly hygienic. And we always like to say that with poop, you never lose a harvest. A cycle of giving and taking, eating and excreting, something that triggers revulsion elsewhere is seen here as the most natural thing in the world.
1: And if you would like to pass on more than just the nutrients your body no longer needs, how about passing along a recommendation for Living Planet? You can tell your friends to find us wherever you're listening to this or on any other major podcasting platforms. Thanks this week to our studio team for sticking with me through today's episode. We had Søren Leutfeld driving the desk and Vipke Takedmaya in the studio manager's seat. I've been your host, Sam Baker. And no matter the subject, we will be back next week with more environment stories from around the globe.